Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us tonight. We are running the session a little bit differently because um, one of the things that I'd, I'd had on my list to do was to interview Ivan um, as a trader, and he might return serve to me one day next time someone pulls out at the last minute on a presentation. But that, but it is something that I did want to do because um, I've known Ivan for a long time, and um, and maybe for those of you that haven't joined us or this is the first time they're joining us, that each week we do a number of webcasts. Uh, quite often it's Ivan and myself talking about our trades or the market or our view. And once a week we interview someone different. And uh, over the last month or six weeks we've interviewed private traders, market makers, uh, representatives from the stock exchange, uh, one of the biggest day traders going around last week. And we have some really good chats, really interesting insights. And the sessions are built specifically for traders. They're not, they're not, you know, if you're not a trader and you come along, great. Hopefully you learn something new and you can start thinking the way that traders think. We're hearing some of the conversations we have. And so we definitely want to encourage people to come along and learn and so forth through the ASX game. But the sessions are in week in, week out, specifically for people who trade, right? And... Um, Ivan's someone that I've known around the market. So we met uh, when uh, we were both going roadshowing with the ASX. Ivan is the, uh, the technology partner, I should say, and I was doing the role of the education partner at that point in time, or I was initially just one of the speakers. And we got to know each other really well, and we had a, 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 one, a, a shared interest, which is options trading. And secondly to that, we have a shared view about how to help people trade successfully. And, and so in the end, the, the, the an extension of all of that is we ended up in business together um, and run, uh, well, the implied volatility, which I have the honours of running the day-to-day -day on. But the technology built is built by Ivan and his team. The ideas that go into it is in consultation with Ivan um, and, uh, you know, effectively uh, in, in that I get to worry about all the, the lovely day-to-day -day stuff, Ivan, um, it's very much an articulation of a vision that Ivan had, uh, and which is shared by myself. Um, now, so as a way of introduction, I can get Ivan to talk to himself, but the interesting part of Ivan's background is how he got started as a trader. Uh, and before I do that, I'm just going to click do the old disclaimer before I forget to do it. Uh, any advice contained in today's presentation is general only. doesn't take into consideration your personal circumstances. And you need to decide for yourself whether it's appropriate for you. Past returns are not an accurate indicator of future returns. You had an interesting background getting into trading. How old were you when you started, when you started exploring trading? Uh, 14. But uh, just, just before I, I do talk about that, uh, one thing that, you know, I thought that, since we don't really give ourselves compliments too often and you know, we're, we're typically shy or interviewing others. Um, uh, just in terms of, you know, just taking on a little bit on, in terms of uh, one of the things that uh, I found myself saying quite frequently in conversations that I've had and, and you know, obviously on the back of the open market stuff, uh, there's been a lot of conversations. But um, one thing, uh, and, and definitely I'll be returning the favour in terms of interviewing you, but uh, I, in terms of a, a, something that I'm extremely proud of is being in business with you. So I think that it's been something that um, uh, has been, uh, you know, in terms of sort of key experiences in my life. Uh, we'll obviously be talking about the trading part, but 
um, the stuff that we've managed to achieve together in, in a relatively short period of time and, and a lot of the stuff that uh, hopefully we'll continue achieving together in, in broader business uh, has been uh, very, uh, has been an extremely eye-opening experience. So I think that, uh, thank you to you too, and I think that it's gl- I'm very glad that sort of uh, we went through, um, you know, from sort of bottles of wine to uh, to kind of, you know, hypothesizing about ideas to actually ending up doing these things together. So um, it's it's been it's been awesome. So, um, so thank you. Um, and thank you for your positive words. But so in terms of, yeah, so, so I started trading, I was, I was chatting about this the other day, actually. Um, it's not really a story that I talk a lot about. But, um, uh, yeah, so I first took an interest uh, in trading when uh, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which is something that, you know, a lot of people sort of read. And I think I was about 13, um, which is just, just going on 14. And I remember just reading, it was a book by a guy, Kawasaki um, obviously went on to be quite quite a successful man and, and gave us many things as an investor. But um, one of the things that, that there was this whole concept of is, is a guy kind of, you know, his dad was a really smart guy and his mate's dad wasn't a very smart guy and one guy was very rich and it wasn't his dad. And, um, and it sort of got me thinking about, um, one, that, you know, our schooling system and our... Um, uh, you know, what would we go through, uh, you know, we don't talk about money. Um, we don't talk about how to retire successfully and we don't talk about uh, all of these things that we should be talking about from a very early age. We talk about uh, algebra and uh, all this useless stuff for the majority of us unless we go on to become engineers. And uh, I never really liked school to begin with and that was sort of the 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 hammer in the in the nail um and i went from that to uh, i used to have one of these you know jumbo books that like scrap books that i used to kind of take everything out of newspapers and you kind of cut them out and stuck them on in the jumbo book and uh, started following stocks and saying oh well you know at the time with the newspaper article in the, in the good old herald sun or whatever like uh you know news, i remember this one time when um uh, it was Foxtel uh, was was uh, going through a, uh, effectively they went through like a VA type of exercise and News Corp bought a bit and there was cap charge going through and I kind of stuck these things on and uh, put down the prices then you know checked them a week later the, the everything was going up it was like a never ending bull market and I got and I got excited I said fuck well if if I'm putting in twenty grand into this then suddenly it's worth twenty five k like holy shit like this is serious and at the same time uh, my parents were fortunate enough you know we sort of migrated uh, in 95 from Russia and my parents, uh, you know, they had very interesting careers back in Russia and, and they said, look, you know, we, we've got to get out from this country regardless. Um, they were on the brink of um, having their own TV show uh, in prime time, uh, which was massive, massive business in, in particular back then. And, I mean, it still is, but probably a little bit less now with the internet. Um, and they came here, they're qualified to become uh, both an IT uh, and uh, around about that time, they it was it was sort of at that point where they 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 got to you know their accountant suggested they should have a self managed super fund, but obviously they had no idea about what a stock market is because you know like in in, in Russia uh, there's not really a thing like there was a stock market, but it was really just uh, like a you know it was fraud ultimately, um, and uh, you know where they decided to make everything public and then they took it for themselves and you know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that on, on, on a webcast, otherwise dear Putin might come, <laughs> come kill me. But anyway, and, um, and so they, they went through and they used to pick their, um, their stocks off 
like money magazine and stuff. And I went, okay, well, that's, this is surely, surely news is more efficient. You know, surely, uh, you know, there's a better way of doing these things. And so I remember some of the stocks they bought. There was BHP, which obviously did well, uh, IWF that didn't do so well, um, and just these businesses. And I think that today, even though that, that was sort of the first investments that they made in their self-managed super fund, uh, they still, I don't think my mum still knows what IWF does. Um, I mean, I, I'm starting to get an understanding and I work in financial services. But um, anyway, so uh, it sort of went from that jumbo scrapbook to um, managing the self-managed super fund a year later. And uh, there's a couple of years. What was that, sorry? How old were you at this point in time? 14. 14, 14. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I was fortunate enough, you know, it was, the time was, uh, it was, it was a ramp, rampant bull market. It was difficult. Uh, it was difficult not to make money at that point in time. Um, and, you know, and also at that point in time, you're not really thinking about outperforming the index. You're not thinking like a fund manager. You're just thinking, hey, you know, our uh, end of year balance is a little bit more than it was a year ago. Like, that's good. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, so, so I sort of was interested and I continued uh, learning about different stuff. And then uh, when I got 18, I remember when I turned 18, I started so just, just uni um, and uh, uh, went to uni because my mum thought that I really needed a uni degree, how wrong she was. But um, as I was through that, uh, it was all about just uh, I was literally working and every single paycheck was going to the markets. And then eventually I sort of, uh, you know, I was reading a lot about technical analysis and, and um uh, sort of these in-depth books about stuff. And I remember there was this moment where I decided that uh, there was uh, value in borrowing 20 grand from the bank as a personal loan and buying a couple of stocks with it. And two weeks of performance was mind-blowing. It was just like, yeah, that's it. I've got this, you know. I remember bragging to some calls to people about it. <laughs> and um, anyway, and uh, then I remember I was on a holiday. It was like a two-week holiday. Uh, with with my family up in Queensland, we used to go every year to sort of to Noosa, and, and, and um, I remember uh, looking at the newspaper in the cafe, and it said Centro goes into a trading halt, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. I've got two stocks, and one of them is Centro, and the other one is Bluescope, and I went, oh shit, um, and Wait, they were talking. Why is always that people's horror story is when they're on <laughs> holidays and they, you know. <laughs> I learned well, a very valuable lesson. I don't have any positions when I'm going on holiday ever again. But anyway, um, and uh, in Centro, I remember it opened down like 85% or something. And the, the the upside in that was that I learned about short-term trading. And uh, around about the same time, my mate introduced me to futures, and sort of that's where I got a, got started kind of – I remember – you know, talk about, you know, we, we take for granted and we, we talk about how much technology is advanced, but I remember the way that I had to get historical data at that point in time is I remember taking the opening price, I used to, you know, wake up 9.50, by, like 9.50, I'd, I'd sort of be ready, 9.50 exactly on the dot, I'd look at the first ticker uh, uh, price and then put that into a spreadsheet and I did this for like every day forever, the open price, the closed price, and, you know, now obviously we can number crunch. And... So uh, 19, um, uh, I became a full-time trader. Uh, I finally got sick of losing a paycheck after paycheck and, you know, I had that moment where sort of everything clicked. And, um, and I remember it was 14th of July 2008. Uh, I, I, I left 
uh, my job in, in a call center at that point in time. Uh, also told the uh, university to shove it and uh, started with 1500 bucks in the bank. And part of that was in an open position uh, that was going against me. And uh, within a year, uh, it was over a mil. My dad, um, my dad uh, was a day trader for me. I was doing the nights. Um, you know, and that sort of led to other other areas. You know, I um, uh, there was a moment there where I felt invincible. Um, uh, QE one was was sort of that moment. No one really knew what QE felt like or what it was going to do, um, and I felt like the market. Um, I literally picked a low. Uh, I, I put it in the blog. Um, as always, my timing on the entry was a little bit weak, and uh, you know, I was I was sort of in it. And I remember trading that night again. I actually was in Queensland. Uh, which was interesting, um, uh, in Coulomb. And uh, that was the day of the low. I remember uh, I remember seeing the price action. I went, yep, we're in. We've, this is done. The market was uh, super red in the Friday coming into the close, and it ended up being positive. There was one point where I went, oh, shit, I think this is going to be the low, and it went through it. And I remember publishing it on a blog or whatever. That was the Daily Cable, it was called. Uh, it went through that level. Like I found out later with Daily Cable, with probably <laughs> insinuations with, um, it probably made it funnier. But uh, anyway, it was interesting. Um, but it was it was a mind blowing experience. Um, and you know, so I, I, I gave a lot back fighting the, the Fed, um, and learned and started really developing trading systems back then. And I remember having this uh, laptop that never slept, uh, constantly crunching numbers in Metastock or one of those other systems. And uh, every night I'd be I'd be trying different different things, and um, I guess you, you start really learning a lot about um, you know what technical indicators mean and don't mean. And uh, it it sort of went through you know what was a prop prop trader, um, which was you know managing other people's money, and that was an interesting experience where I went from trading on and off to hundred. You traded for yourself. Um, when did you move to being a prop trader? How? I was just after uni. Uh, I, I, I pretty much escaped Melbourne, um, moved to Sydney. I was there for for a decade. That was that was a in terms of an experience. You know, trading trading is an interesting experience. It teaches you so much about yourself, and we've spoken about this a lot. And I, I suspect we're probably talking more about psychology um, later on. But um, uh, not 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 for any reason because we actually prepared anything, but just because we tend to talk about psychology. Uh, a lot in our conversations, but um, you know, trading teaches you a lot about managing stress and and the things that we've probably learned and, and have set us up for for our business yeah. lives. We've learned from trading, and uh, yeah, and I remember that prop trading was was a completely different experience because um, so you know, I people... a question for you, which is, you're a young guy, like eighteen, nineteen. I mean, I had a lot of great ideas that went, you know, under the age of 25, that would have um, cost me a lot of money. In fact, I have a lot of great ideas that simply by being too lazy to execute has saved me a hell of a lot of money. But um, at that age, right, was it helpful being, you know, like just being young and brash and just, you know, um, was that a positive thing for your psychology or was it, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How did that play out? Do you feel like maturity in itself is useful for a trader? Um, I mean, you know me, and and you probably know that I make some very mature decisions at all points in time. Um, 
Uh, I think that the one thing that never sort of scared me is the actual decision making. Um, I'd rather make a wrong decision but make it quickly as opposed to kind of overthinking it. Um, and uh, look, I don't know. I mean, it, I learned a lot. You know, I, I can't, you know, some of it was, uh, you know, I swear I felt like I nearly had a heart attack a couple of times. One of those times when, when the RBA dropped rates by, by a percent and I was seriously, I was like, I remember before the RBA looking at short-term loans kind of thing, you know, like from, from Sharkland. It's like there was times and I think it was like 200, 250 grand offside as like as a 19-year-old sitting there um, waiting for that RBA decision, like things that I would have just, I would never do again. But yeah. uh, it, was, it, was, it was a crazy time. And, you know, and um, uh, regardless of sort of the, 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 the emotional stress that it caused me, I mean, I matured a lot, you know, under the stress. But it's, you know, if, like my parents are extremely loving people um, and, and they've been fantastic and supportive and they gave me a little bit of tough love, probably not kind of like, you know, not kind of like Asian parent-like, but also not quite like, you know, probably uh, Australian parent-like, so they're sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, but uh, the market gives you tough love. There is no excuses with the market. And, um, you know, and, and it, it teaches you to sort of rewire, right? And I think that, um, yeah, I, you know, I can't go back and say that I'd ever take it back, but I can definitely say that, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. It was a very good experience. And you were, you were day trading because we had Phil um, join us last week who was a massive day trader. You were day yeah. trading in that period. When you hit the prop desk, were you still day trading the same amount? So actually when I was trading PA, I was a, uh, I was a swing trader. So I would hold positions for days and sometimes weeks. Um, yep. And it was all about um, I didn't want to compete on time. Yep. And actually, you know, a lot of the trading systems we developed was, you know, I'm not the fastest finger um, uh, and I never was the fastest finger on the desk. So for me, uh, you know, I, I guess I always wanted to be somewhat analytical about my decision making. Um, yep. And a lot of the basis of where I wanted to be buying and selling was always driven off uh, psychology, right? The market psychology and the market sentiment, uh, you know, when is the market oversold? When is the market overbought? Um, yep. And I saw, you know, I always knew that, that my Shia laptop was never going to be the equivalent to a supercomputer, so, and someone out there is using a supercomputer, so, which, you know, in this case, it's us. But, you know, uh, like, we, I just, you just don't get the edge in time. Um, and so I thought that, and I still think where, where a lot of the value is, is in um, understanding market sentiment and, and being in the area where uh, you can you can be smarter than the competition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prop trading on that was 100 plus trades. So, um, now or then or just whatever you think is the best answer, it, what information um, would you or do you observe to make a decision um, or to find an edge? How much information, what information do you go to? Uh, well, that's actually a good question because it's, it's developed so much over time, right? I mean, back then, and there's a slide somewhere with, with, with sort of what I had, what I was observing, remember, it was, it was like crazy, the... Yeah. The stuff is mental, you know. It's like I used to have these crazy kind of, you know, if the parabolic side did this and the RSI was here and Jacken's momentum volatility indicator was showing this. It's like, you know, like it's it's suicidal. Um, I think I had about 
15, 20 indicators at one point in time. It literally looked like a special child drew all over a piece of paper. Um, my son my son does better drawings and more coherent than, than what was on my, going on on my chart. Um, and he's, he's too. But, um, you know, I think that um, uh, now it, it's obviously a lot simpler because of the stuff that we've done. You know, it, it's it's based on the stuff that we've done with the quants. It's based on the stuff that we've invested so much time and effort into. Um, it, coming up with that trading system was, was all about kind of taking it back to bare basics and saying, well, what are the things that really matter? Uh, what is the market telling us? And at the end of the day, price um, and future leading, you know, like, an RSI indicator, the indicator isn't going to tell you anything new about the price. You know, if, if the market got slammed, the RSI is going to get slammed. Um, and how often does a slammed RSI lead to the bottom? Well, not always. Um, it probably filters out a couple of things, and but you'll know. Um, and I think that it's very important that when you're looking at sort of indicators together, you know, your weighting is towards uh, probability, ultimately. Uh, it weighs towards the uh, what what is the future leading indicators like volatility and I mean, particularly implied volatility telling us um, and then you get to you know potentially if you're a fundamental trader you're looking for fundamentals um, I uh, the Centro experience taught me that uh, I'm not really good at the whole fundamental picking um, you know considering that two weeks before the thing went to shit um, I decided to buy a lot of it and with the bank's money. Um, but uh, I did learn a lot about that afterwards. By the way, interestingly enough, uh, I actually got a check about five years later when I didn't really need it, uh, giving me money back uh, from a class action suit from Centro. Um, I got most of my funds back because um, uh, because uh, it was a misclassification. It was actually the auditors that uh, and the directors that, that had to – they were thinking actually it was a lifting of the corporate veil, if I remember. Uh, because they misclassified uh, short-term expense, uh, short-term loans as long-term debt uh, and non-current debt, and you know, intend to tend to blow them up. But uh, anyway, it was, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, the systems have developed a lot. Uh, now it's you know, you and I are both super flat out. Like this is the first time we typically we speak almost daily, right? And uh, you know, this week has probably been like the last couple of weeks. Uh, you. You picked up the phone today when I called you back, kind of accusing me of not being on the phone <laughs> during the calls. Uh, you know, and it's all now. It's all about more passive. Um, you know, waiting for the right setups. A lot more patient. Um, I've had my impatient period dealt with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and, and I guess, but that's going to be for the individual and how much time they've got to put into their trading. It's going to dictate that. But um, less is more, from what I'm hearing. Now, just just might I might I think do it. One, one thing is, I think if you're starting out, screen time doesn't hurt anybody. You know, understanding momentum, understanding how things work. If you've got the time, if you've got uh, the ability to look at it, look at price action and understand how you know, and then see when you know a massive bid comes into the off into into the market, how the market reacts, how it eats up on that. Uh, it never does anybody badly. Um, Screen time is everything, you know. Um, but if you don't have that, then you've got to rely on someone who's done screen time. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So if you're someone that has got uh, a limited amount of time to put into the market, um, would you, you know, do, do you use that time going deep on a couple of topics? Do you, you know, like, you know, what, 
I'm not leading the leading the answer there, but like, how how do you how do you how do you work out how to spend that bit of time? Your uh, your questioning ability is uh, learned from mine. How I uh, preempt, especially during interviews. <laughs> Tell me about your experience. Uh, you know, does it fit this in this criteria? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Um, now look, I, I tell you what. I think that um, the, the first thing that you, I think you've got to decide is if, if you know if you've got unlimited time. Um, the first thing that I think you've got to think about is does the market excite you? You know, does does the concept of uh, markets and and understanding the the broader and, and I know Brian uh, mentioned this before. Uh, you know, it was something that he said was was bang on in terms of understanding. Um, the, the thing that drives him is understanding the different things going on in different things you know, in different markets, like gold and oil, and how's it going to impact you know the Aussie dollar? How's it going to impact our markets? And um, and sort of in-depth knowledge about um, uh, a certain point. And that was something that I always really really enjoyed doing, even though I was never really a fundamental trader. Um, well, aside from Centro, which obviously you know, I'll, I'll keep pointing that one out. But uh, it, it is really interesting um, how much um, intellectual stimuli you need at a time, uh, to, you know, and, and, and you can get out of the market. And I think that if you've got unlimited time in the market to spend towards analyzing, the first thing I would do is I would start with technicals. Um, I would get really good at understanding support and resistance and trying things like uh, buying when it gets close to a support level and getting really rigid with your stop losses. So um, you think that the market is going to drop to a certain level and, you know, let's say that this resistance, uh, so it's support at $10, it gets to $10, you buy something at $10 and do this in the game uh, and, you know, and, and, and have a stop loss at like 9 or $9.50 or something. Um, and the closer you can get that stop loss, the better. And you will find... Uh, and, and you need to find this out for yourself, kind of like, you know, when, when your parents tell you to do something and then you you kind of need to learn that mistake for yourself, this is one of those. Buying a support level is typically going to lead to ruin and vice versa because the market is trending and the market is going to more often than not destroy you. And which is funny because what most people will tell you and what you learn in books and all that kind of stuff is that, no, you should, you should definitely buy support levels and you should sell resistance levels and markets to trend, sorry, to range trade. Uh, yeah, that's that's not true. So, um, but you've got to learn that for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to continuously buy stuff that is cheap, and it gets cheaper on you. And then you're going to sell stuff that is expensive, and it's going to get more expensive. Yeah. Susan's asked, "Do you ever average down, or do you just cut your losses?" Uh, I used to average down. Um, you know, that was something that, uh, and I used to average down, down during the GFC. Part of the trading system, which actually is a relatively sane trading system, uh, was um, to say, because I always had this, I always had impatience with the market. So what I used to do is I used to think, okay, I think the market's overdone, I need to get in. And what I'd do is I'd get in with a very small percentage. So if it bounced, you make money on it, great, and you kind of like, you know, it's, it, it's a nice little, you know, spend it with the pub type thing. Um, and then I'd double down at, a, at another pivot point and then triple down, later down, and that was sort of part of the trading strategy. 
which means that sort of the COVID scenario would have taken me out at that point in time or, or other areas. Um, you tend to learn to not do that later in time um, as, as you become more successful, I guess, or more experienced as a trader, not successful, more experienced. Um, and now it's, you know, I have a lot less hesitation uh, killing losses. Um, and, you know, and, and but I still make mistakes, right? Like, you know, I think um, it was October or something, 2018, uh, I got I got hit with, with Macquarie falling off planet Earth. I decided to actually go naked um, and, you know, made 800 bucks in premium and, and blew like seven and a half grand on the trade. Um, and uh, that was sort of a very stark reminder of if you're following a trading system, never to beat against it. It's a very good indication that, you know, I tried to, I, I thought lit was overdone and then I kind of, uh, I kind of, I, I got, I got uh, never bet against lit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, I think Mark it's said that it's during COVID as well. Mark said what, uh, I was actually going to say what was that um, uh, Paul Tudor Jones quote where you, um, and, and Mark's put it in the, in the chat box, losers, average losers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, um, well, I, I love Paul Tudor Jones as a, you know, people quote um, my, my uh, you know, your mate, your mate, the Buffett, um, a lot, but I think that Paul Tudor Jones had a lot of more interesting feedback. I think if you're Warren Buffett or if you want to trade like Warren Buffett, get yourself a couple of trillion dollars and then buy like majority stakes and undervalued companies and then you can turn them around, you know. it's uh, That makes a lot of sense. It's a good trading system. But if you're putting in five grand into a, into CBA when it's undervalued because of some long-term fundamentals, you don't know what's going on in CBA. You're not talking to the CEOs. You know, like it's it's trade the Warren Buffett way. Yeah, have a lot of money. Yeah. Hey, um <laughs> Brian's asked, are you more comfortable trading in bear, bulls, or, or oh, I can't get the rest of the question, uh, bear, bull, sideways markets, and why? Uh, good question. Normally, I should be saying that I don't care, which is true. Um, ultimately, it's a trading system that tells you. But I do have a preference, generally speaking, to trading in bearish markets. And that's probably because I learned to trade during the DFC. So I'm more comfortable with higher periods of volatility. Also, it happens to be better for futures and options traders at that point in time. So I think that, you know, increased volatility, uncertainty, uh, that's where that's where traders make money. So I think that that's probably the reason why I would say bearish. But having said that overall, the market gives you what the market gives you. you just got to be lined up to be there at the right point in time to take the right parade um, and then, you know, path of least resistance. Um, shares, futures, DFDs or options, which is the best? Uh, not CFDs, um, as it's an artificial market. Um, even DMA CFDs have some extreme leverage in there and, and rate holds, and I used to trade a lot of CFDs. Um, uh, I'd say, I, uh, like, I, I've had some interesting experiences with that with artificial markets. Um, I like futures. I haven't traded futures for a while um, because I like to stay sane um, and I don't have that much time at my disposal. So I'd say against that. Uh, shares or options depends on what you're trying to achieve. I think that if you're thinking about long-term investing, you know, sort of 15, 20 years or 10 years or, you know, it's like a self-managed super fund, for example, scenario, 
Um, I would probably say that, you know, there's, there's shares and potentially some options there. Uh, if you're looking to express a short-term view, um, depends. I mean, if, if, it, if the market's completely, um, you know, March, for example, when, when we had Iron Condors uh, popping through the, through the, um, uh, in, in the, in the trade ideas, uh, which have all actually done quite well, or the majority of them have done quite well. Um, options are fantastic at selling volatility, but if your view is that the market is overdone and, and you want to buy in and, and get long-term long exposure, well, you're not going to be buying long calls uh, because volatility is so expensive. It's, you know, you'd, you'd be looking at uh, the first time I bought shares since uh, 2008 um, in, in that crash. I actually sold Santos since then. Uh, Ron, you might want to care. But, uh, you know, I, I sold it uh, at $4.99. Um, uh, I actually don't know if it's if it's trading higher or lower now. I stopped caring about it as soon as I sold it. But um, that was a nice little bounce. Uh, 3.76, I picked it up. Uh, and uh, that was, I hope that uh, the ATO doesn't come smashing off to my self-managed super fund after that. Um, but, yeah, some of those I want to get out back into cash. But I don't know. I think that it just, it just depends on the time. It depends on the scenario. You know, I wouldn't be, I would definitely, you know, Feb, Jan, when we were talking about asymmetric risk, uh, you know, shares was definitely not the right strategy. Um, you know, potentially a bear, bear ETF, that would be what it's called, but you're just getting better, better value from options because um, typically those products are using options anyway. So might as well go directly to the source. Um, Terence uh, has asked, there are so many instruments to trade, FX, CFDs, ETFs, shares, options, bonds, and so much to learn. How do you suggest one path to trading and which instruments, oh, let me open this up properly, sorry, to focus, to focus on? on. Yeah. Uh, the best place to start is the XJO. Um, and that is, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I would, uh, it's kind of a, under the general advice warning uh, disclaimer, uh, but it's quite a, um, it gives you access to the entire ASX 200. So it's not volatile. Uh, it's, you know, if one stock goes bankrupt out of those 200, you're not going to feel it. Um, and so it gives you exposure to that and, and you get to start understanding some of the macro level scenarios. Um, the financial planning answer to that, um, not that I'm a financial planner or ever intended to being one, but, you know, that all depends on your sort of, you know, criteria, risk criteria and, and so on. You know, bonds are a great long-term annuity source. Um, but, again, it kind of depends to what you're trying to achieve. You just, I like your smile at my financial planner comment. <laughs> yeah, just because you got knocked back for that job at AMP. You're still bitter about that, aren't you? I never replied for AMP, but... Um, but every time that I uh, used to mock the shit out of Shane Oliver uh, late last year, early this year, when he was a perma bull and, and I said he's full of shit and uh, all of his AMP buddies from like state managers and stuff started jumping on the bandwagon going, how dare you knock our saint? Um, yeah, they can, they can all go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. Right. Language. <laughs> right. Now, um, is, um, if you could use one tech, technique, technical or one technique tool or trade method what would it be that was from Rowan uh, I could use one technique tool or trade method uh, implied volatility uh, yeah. and that's even if I was a uh, just a pure share trader um, using implied volatility in particular in IV rank 
gives you so much information about the future direction uh, that, um, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm about to quote Warren and I feel so bad for doing it. I feel literally dirty for doing this, but um, the his uh, quote on effectively the Dow theory uh, is the right one. Buy when others are fearful, right, and sell when others are greedy. So, um that you know, I think that implied volatility is the way to see that in the market um, yeah. and understand that. And uh, and Warren would agree with me right now as he's sipping on his cherry coke. Um, but uh, you know, I think that that's um, implied volatility, the single most valuable indicator you can observe in the market by far. All right, that's the most definitive answer to that question we've had yet. All right. So, um, what, being a soon with my sitting on the fence and giving generalist information. What would be um, what? I don't know. What, what, what advice would you give yourself uh, now if you were just starting out? Uh, I I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't give myself advice. I just I come in. See, here's the reason why I wouldn't. You've got to come in with an open mind. Um, and you've got to be able to learn for yourself. And the market will teach you everything you need to know. You know, um, the, the only things you can probably look at is, you know, look at a trading journal, um, you know, and self-analyze why you're doing things, um, build a trading system or rely on a trading system. Um, you know, seek to um, – there is one. Sorry, I've changed my mind. Never ever. Five, but go on, continue. Never, never argue. I'm, I'm glad to be to prove myself wrong. You know this. Uh, you know, let's let's at something. Um, but uh, never argue with the market. Right? The market, the market is the market, and um, what a lot of people, professional people in financial services, tend to do as well is they tend to blame the market. Oh, you know, the market's been going up forever, so. You know, it, it, it's got to be overpriced or no, you know, the market is, is, is too cheap right now. And they're always going to complain. The market's not doing anything. Well, you know what? There's some pockets of the market that are doing really freaking well. So I think that it's important that um, you trade what's there and you don't let the market get in the way. And, um, or sorry, let your emotions or your preconceived ideas. And if you have a preconceived idea, close the trade reconsider whether you want to be in that trade. Then the rest is just paper trade the bejesus out of it and stuff more. Yeah. So you wouldn't give yourself any one piece of advice, but you would give yourself <laughs> 10 pieces of advice. Okay, that's good to know. All right. Uh, Josh, Joshua has asked, when's the next ASX trade meetup? Well, uh, as soon as we're out of lockdown... I'm going to be looking for excuses to get on planes and go other places. So um, we'll come and do uh, we'll do a, a, we'll do some meetups because we were meant to go to Perth and we were meant to go to Brizzy, uh, but we did yeah. Melbourne. So um, we'll. Um, I'm not going to do because it potentially had the coronavirus um, as I was dying in bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's actually interesting. There's a good chance that I had it that back then because. Um, the symptoms matched, and it's interesting. One of the people in daycare that um, ultimately gave it to to 
Johnny was um, they actually just came from Europe. And now they're finding that the first cases of coronavirus in Europe were as, as early as November, December last year. Um, and so, it, interestingly enough, it's very likely that uh, what I had was indeed, which is why I spent an hour with the guy who had coronavirus. And by that stage, you know, and, and I didn't get it. Um, and the doctor's like, how the hell didn't you get it? Like, you, wouldn't, you shook his hand three times like that, you know. Anyway, they didn't swear at that point in time because they're doctors. Um, yeah, there you go. Coronavirus. Yeah. Um, Paul's asked, how much of a risk taker are you? I, 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 if you don't give it an answer, I've got answer for you. <laughs> exactly, thank you. Yeah. Hey? Can you, it's, I think it's a question for you. How, how much of a risk taker am I? Ivan is a risk taker. There is no question about it. He likes to make quick decisions, but... He, uh, he owns his decisions and uh, isn't afraid to change his mind. But, no, no, he's definitely a risk taker. taker. Uh, as, as so a reason. a little bit of uh, Ivan since I've known him. Um, so met through the ASX. He had trade floor, which um, the majority of retail brokers and retail flow in Australia uses trade floor for its risk management system. Um, he subsequently sub IV implied volatility uh, with me or reach trading implied volatility, which is we'd be one of the busier options trading desks in a very short period of time in the country. Um, and recently trade floor bought open markets, which turns them into an ASX clearer and an ASX participant with some bringing in their technology, puts them in a very interesting play uh, where his little Business empire has grown a lot in a very short period of time. But, um, uh, yeah, certainly a lot of different things going on there, Ivan. Yeah, we went from five people in December to 42 and almost 44 uh, people in Jesus in, yeah, it's under six months. It's it's crazy. And, yeah. you know, and, and totally I think that, you know, it's the risk. Obviously, you know, I have a very high tolerance for risk. Um, otherwise, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But um, I, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm, I calculate them. I probably don't ever think them. But, um, you know, everything's, everything's a transaction and, um, you know, and you won't win every single one. But, um, you know, I think that there's, there's probably recent transactions that, uh, that might not be quite as lucrative and then there's other transaction, transactions which, which are not. And, you know, I had, I had an interesting conversation about one of, one of the recent transactions today with, with one of the other directors in, in our business, our lawyer, and ultimately saying, you know, look, I, I, I don't know how hard I want to go at one of these things. You know, I'd, I'd rather write off um, part, part, of a, part of an investment um, and focus on other things uh, that are faster growing um, they're not, and, and I guess this is the interesting thing about where I was, uh, say, 10 years ago, uh, where I'd always be arguing against the trend because I felt like I owned something. Um, you know, now it's all about being with the trend and saying, hey, well, these areas are growing really quickly. Let's go for these. You know, let, let, let's force on these. So I think that, and I think, you know, you know, you know which ones I'm talking about or at least you can guess, but, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. So, um, yeah. All right. Question more trading questions. Uh, Susan, Ivan, can you just explain to everyone what a prop trader is? It's a, 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 a prop trading companies are companies that give you balance sheet and they say, okay, well, you can go on and trade this money and then you eat what you kill. 
Um, so it's kind of like the equivalent of a commission-only salesperson except trading the markets. Um, yeah. Um, uh, here's a question for you. But there's a few. There's a few. Um, there's a few um, levels to this one. Is there ways to increase your iron condor success rate, Gary? As I said, question. Are we not talking about this tomorrow? Is that what we're talking about tomorrow? No idea. What did we talk about last week? Oh, tomorrow. Uh, no, I think we're talking implied volatility, aren't we, tomorrow? Well, implied uh, volatility is there. Um, so in terms of success rates, uh, there is a right back. Actually, Ivan, can I interrupt you and say yeah. there is a paper, Gary, on this that is beyond our website somewhere if you Google Iron Condor, if you're doing the Iron Condor in the search bar, it's probably going to take you to this, which is a white paper that Ivan authored on the research our quant analysts did on iron condors and our trading system. That will give you probably all the information, well, a, a broader answer. But Ivan, do you want to give the, the, the Reader's Digest version? Hmm. The thing about success rate is, the, the question right back there, Gary, is what is more important in terms of success rate, the percentage of time you get it right or the actual percentage return that you're making on the trade. Because as seemingly similar as that question sounds, they're actually very different things. So uh, the, way that, the way that our trading systems are constructed is trading around stuff that has a lower percentage of prob probability um, or accuracy correct, but it gives you a better return. Um, the risk-reward is better per trade. So with options, you get this kind of, you know, the third dimension as a result of volatility, um, and that's what we like to trade. And we trade in the area where there's most liquidity. We trade in the area where we get the, the better sort of overall long-term uh, edge, I guess. Um, and so that, that, that's sort of where a lot of our stuff is based on, um, as opposed to the broader market, which talks about, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the market that talk about, hey, there's 95% chance of winning uh, with, with our trading system. It's always going to be right. And it turns out that it's a black box selling straddles, which, you know, coronavirus happens and then suddenly you've lost your house, your wife, your liver and uh, anything else in between. So, you know. Yeah. And I, I think um, uh -huh. there, are, there are people that prefer to trade in a way where they get a high percentage right because it's not about mm -hmm. the money. It's about the winning mm -hmm. feeling for them. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it can't, like, you get what you want, right? Um, it's... It just comes down to um, yeah. to actually worried about the 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 the, the mo how much money you're really making. Okay, let's yeah. have a look. What um, why why do you say CFDs are artificial? Uh, Peter, uh, drink, uh, uh, read the um, the PDSs. Um, uh, it's probably the answer to that. Um, it's not a matter of why I think it is. It literally is the way that CFDs are constructed. Um, the market that you're trading, um, the reason why it's cheaper to transact than that is because you're not actually owning anything. It, you're owning a bet. Um, uh, in fact, it, it actually is called spread betting, in, in, um, uh, or at least it started as, as spread betting. If you read Livermore, Livermore's book, uh, Reminiscences of a Stock, a stock Operator, um, uh, it talks about bucket shops in U.S., 
uh, and that is effectively the same thing as you get with 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 CFDs. Now, don't get me wrong. There are there there are times when you might be actually longer term, or probably shorter term. There's value in trading CFD, uh, and the only time that you're getting to that is if you're like a hundred percent sure of the direction because of the leverage, because of the uh, the small capital outlay. Um, but if you're doing that, then you're probably insider trading uh, on some news. So if you're if you're hundred percent sure about something and no one else has priced it in, either you know something that no one else knows, or you're potentially overanalyzing a scenario which might not be there. All right. Okay. Paul's asked, with options, do you think getting the direction right is more or less important than getting volatility and time right? Yeah, <laughs> Paul's the master of asking difficult questions. Um, uh, I think that, uh, I mean, it depends on the trading strategy ultimately. I mean, if, let's put it this way. If you're in a long call, uh, you, you've got to get the direction right. If you're an iron condor, eh, it's more about volatility. Um, uh, it depends on how you set up the strategy, right? I mean, that, that, that's probably the important part. Like in some situations, you're trading volatility. In some situations, you're trading direction. If you've got a synthetic long on and you're, you know, you've, you've, you've bought a call and you've bought a, uh, sold a put, for example, um, then you know, if the market goes down, it doesn't matter what the volatility does. You're you're neutral to the volatility. So. Payoff diagram is important. You know, I know that you're still a matrix man. Uh, uh, I will one day convert you. Um, actually, yeah, we're adding some cool stuff in there. There's some stress uh, stress testing coming to that screen at some point in time in the near future, uh, which will be pretty powerful. Mm. And uh, but you know, it, it's yeah, it just depends on the strategy. Yeah, yeah, good. Would be, yeah. All right. Um, let me have a look. Now, Ivan, have you got a favourite options book or something? Favourite options book? No, sorry, no. trading book. Something that's worth trading. having a read. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I, there's a couple that I like. It depends as to whether, you know, it, the reason why I'm thinking is it's sort of, it's a question around, there's a couple of reasons why I'm thinking. One is, uh, that you know, some are sort of more fictional as opposed, and more sort of storytelling as opposed to actually books. The second is um, I'm uh, I'm like illiterate, so I barely read books. So you know, I don't have a very long um, uh, case study of them. Uh, I like the market wizards from the factional side. Uh, sorry, the um, the kind of interview um, fictional side. Um, you know, uh, ask a trader a question, they'll typically. Uh, uh, Overtell their story or understate their losses. Uh, so, but Market Wizards is good. Um, both the, the first one and the second one. I like Jack Schwager's uh, complete guide to fundamental analysis, fundamental technical analysis. If I remember correctly, uh, it's a very long and boring book. That's on the other side. Uh, and uh, you know, I like books like Turtle Trader. Um, you know, the, about the the Turtle Traders, uh, whatever that was called. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've dug up a bunch of my books. You know, if, if we ever end up having a studio together, which, which hopefully one day we will, whenever this crazy thing happens and, and we sort of move into the same office, um, there's a whole heap of trading books that I'd love to, to bring in uh, when we're setting that up. And, um, yeah, this sort of I, 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 as we were moving houses, I found a couple of really interesting – there's a couple of Larry Williams books, which was interesting, um, 
you know, they, yeah, I, I don't know how good of a trader he was. He obviously won a few events. His daughter, uh, Michelle, the blonde actress, uh, won a couple of futures trading events as well, which is a little known fact. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know, the, the thing that I will probably say around about books is that um, if you're treating the book like a, there's no book that can go and act as a better guide than the actual market than real money. Um, and that's important because the market does what the market does. For example, the March move is a very good example of a move that was completely unprecedented. Um, and there's no book that could prepare you for that kind of move. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important. It's important to, um, it's important to know. Uh, Brian, did you or do you keep a journal of your trades and use it to analyze your best trades? Uh, I almost 100% bang on. Um, I've always, uh, from the age of 14, I kept a trading journal. Um, I've thrown a lot of them out, by the way, but I, I have kept trading journals. Uh, and the Jumbo book was the first sort of the stickers I put in reasons as to why I would come up with with an idea um, and then analyze it later. Um, now, uh, you know, we we work on a, we're actually, one of the things in the performance history that we want to add is the capability to run a trading journal straight from there. Um, at the moment, I, I kind of extract stuff and keep it in an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm really bad with Excel spreadsheets when I'm looking at them about three weeks later. I don't know where things are at. There's so many cells everywhere. Um, and in, in terms of analyzing trades, it's not best trades, but it's worst trades that I analyze. And not worst trades in the sense of... Um, uh, being profitable or not profitable, it's worst trades. The worst trade is the one that you were profitable on, but you didn't follow your trading system. Um, for example, you know, you said your stop is going to be at 10 and then suddenly you're buying more at five and, you know, and then it comes to 11 and you sell it and you go, hang on, I made like a dollar and I averaged down into this trade that I didn't want to be in, uh, which is, you know, hooray, but actually you followed and you every single trading system that you had or every trading rule that you had, you broke, and you nearly risked the house and the wife and the liver, as I said before, and uh, and you got it, you got it, kind of, you know, and like it's just that is a bad trade. That is a bad trade on all levels, and and those are the ones that I've always kind of tried to annihilate and become a lot more systematic in decision making. Yeah. So yeah, answer to that pretty much is yes to all of them, such the best trades. Yeah, yeah, good. All right. Next week, Ivan, we are joined by Mark Ball. Um, and um, you know Mark, um, although I don't think you've met Mark. I've met Mark face-to-face. -face. Oh. Well, I met Mark when you called a sickie at our ASX meetup. Oh. You know, my coronavirus time. Yeah, your, corona, your coronavirus. Um, yeah. And, um, that was just a market call back, by the way. I do apologize. I've been a little bit flat out. I've got five webcasts. Yeah. Uh, uh, this week, um, along sort of some other things that I got going on. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't been sleeping. Anyway, so. Mark's, Mark's coming in. Uh, well, Mark's joining us next week, so we'll be interviewing Mark. Really looking forward to doing that. Um, and Mark is a private trader, um, and four years ago went out to be a full-time trader, 
and he's going to be sharing his journey. Um, and I guess a lot of people that would be on the session today would be either thinking maybe that's what they want to do, um, uh, but also the sort of that pre, the step, so forth. I've really, I've got a whole bunch of questions around what he was going through leading up to that decision and the point of the decision and then the uh, and the time post then uh, to, to talk through as well. So really looking forward to that. Um, but So Mark's joining us next week. Um, but if anyone's got any final questions, then, you know, type them in now. Otherwise, in just one moment, we'll call the session to a halt. You can see our podcast is up there, so you can go back and listen to any of the podcasts we've run over the last six weeks. Uh, we're getting better at hopefully asking questions and not talking over each other. Um, but um, we do, you know, we've got a we've got a whole bunch of really interesting traders that we've got lined up in the in the coming weeks, and we're also um, always open to anyone that wants to come and uh, volunteer to uh, put their thoughts forward. And uh, from whatever background you come from, I don't think you know we're, do we're not looking for professional traders all the time. We want people that are real traders that are out there doing their thing or. You might want to share a strategy you've been using with great success. Come on, it doesn't have to be talk, talk the whole time. You can show a few slides, look at the market and have an opinion. So um, please come and join us. Uh, oh, Craig has asked, how do I find out more information about the implied volatility platform? That seems like a, a, a leading sales question if I've ever had one. Right into my sweet <laughs> spot. So if you would, um, anyone that isn't using our trading platform would like a 30-day trial, type in yes into the chat box and we'll organise to give you a 30-day trial. Right? So all you need to do is type in yes and we get you set up on our platform, which will allow you can backtest the market, best options trading technology in Australia, cheapest trading prices for options trading. The, uh, the list is just, it's a, it's a mile long. Um, but if you would like a, a trial, type in yes and we get you set up for 30 days. And for anyone who's trading the options, uh, it's it's similar tech. There's a few um, there are there are a few features built in implied volatility that don't appear in the options trading game. It's similar tech. So if you if you're playing with that, you're wondering how do you continue and how can you keep trading in that way, then you know off you go. Um, now what let me have coming in soon, by the way, Pat. You're going to like again. this. ASX News is coming in soon, and uh, we're working with uh, with the Dow Jones company to see if we can bring in some headlines as well outside of just ASX. So uh, news you've been asking for about a year and uh, I think that uh, um, we've, we've brought it into the open markets, open trader platform about uh, two days ago and it hasn't yep. blown everything up. So uh, it's it's awesome. Thanks, Rowan, by the way. It's an awesome platform to anyone not already on the platform. Yeah, Thanks. Thanks. Um, okay, and for everyone else, Thank you very much. Now, let me have... Paul's Do you asked, find trade at particular times of the day, e.g. the open? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do your job for you uh, just to answer Brian's question. Um, and the answer to that is uh, I don't trade before 10.30. Um, and uh, I've, I've tried and it's hard sometimes. Um, uh, and then I'll try depending on when, yeah, I mean, you typically trade at the open and the close. Um, if you want to wipe out some times in the day, then it'll be in the middle. But the lately, it's just a matter of the timing then. <laughs> lately, it's a matter of um, uh, whenever whenever I get the time to look at a computer. I honestly have no idea what the market's done this week. 
Um, that's sort of, I know, I think we're slightly up, if I'm not mistaken, but I, I honestly haven't seen the market at all. Ninety odd today. Um, so we're right up at that, uh, up, up at those levels now. Interesting. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Mark, what is your, what is your favourite red, red wine? I'm going to sound like Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction and, uh, and uh, say, look, you know, uh, I, I love I love a uh, nice like, like Syrah, Shiraz type wine, uh, especially if it's sort of a lighter bodied one. But uh, my wife uh, doesn't really love them so much, so typically she likes a Pinot Noir. So that means I pretty much just love Pinot Noirs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I think. Um, we've got through all the questions, and uh, Ivan, thank you. Good job. Thanks so um, much, mate. I, I honestly, I, I got to say, I, I really look forward to, um, you know, it, in all the time that we've spent together, we haven't really got to speak a lot to each other about our own trading experiences. Um, you know a little bit more about mine than I know about yours, and uh, I love. Uh, I'm looking forward to the time that I get to interview you um, as, as a reverse. So hopefully. Uh, you know, whoever we have after Mark um, that week, someone pulls out. Um, I'm actually a uh, very different experience. Uh, we'll, very much we'll leave it until someone pull, legitimately pulls out because yeah. uh, it's a good card to have up a sleeve. But, um, yeah, no, I'd be more than happy to. Um, and uh, really uh, insightful session tonight, uh, Ivan. It's interesting that Ivan's trading background, I had no idea about. Uh, until many years after uh, us working together. Um, he doesn't talk about it, which is just, it's interesting. Never, ever, has really ever spoken about his own personal trading until I pried uh, mm-hmm. a, a few years ago. I don't know why, but I did. Anyway, there you go. Uh, thanks, I mean, Ivan. That was Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And... Um, you know, uh, you know. Wish you all the best. See you, see you on. Well, you can see us on tomorrow night. We're doing a, an education one, um, which will be, I believe, volatility or advanced options uh, will be the session tomorrow night. Um, and then on Thursday, we'll be back into the next big trade. So see you guys online. Thank you. See Thank ya. you.